0: And um, he, said, he said, am I working through you? And I said, oh, yes, God, you are. <laughs> and he says, he says, am I, am I doing a, a, a great and exciting work here? I said, oh, Lord, thou knowest. <laughs> and he said, are you a light in this city? I said, an ever-present light, oh, God. And he said, son. Are there other lights in this city? And I said, well, is this a trick question? <laughs> I said, yes, Lord, there are other lights in this city, but they're, they're lesser lights because they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in the gifts. They don't believe, you know, and, um, he said, son, if I removed every light in this city but yours, would this city be brighter or darker? And I said, well, Lord, it would be darker. And he said, son, value every light. You know what? I value every light. And I found out that my light is not nearly as bright as I thought. He, and it's amazing, this incredible love that God has. He could have ripped me up one side and down the other. You know, as my wife would say, you pompous <laughs> fill-in-the-blank. <laughs> and as she so I would said, oh, man of God, if they could see you now. You know, we, we who do God's service need to be brought down to humanity periodically. In fact, we need to live at, at, in, in human levels. And, and I'm not, my wife is, is, God has used her enormously and she's incredibly gifted. But one of the things she does is she stabilizes me. And lets me know how, how we say in Texas, how the cow eats the cabbage. In other words, you may be pulling the wool over their eyes and they may think you are like sliced bread. You're just wonderful, but, you know. Here's what she told me when we've got... I'm just taking this rabbit trail, but it's really good. When we first got married, we had our first disagreement. Pretty vocal disagreement, but it was a disagreement. And so she looks at me, she said, You think you're so hot? She said, You're no better than a bus. There'll be another one along in five minutes. Well, so much for the great man of God. Okay. But it's, it's important that we're able to grasp those moments, the reality of those moments. And so, uh, I, I don't, I'm not a big big guy. I have a big God who, who flows through me and wants to flow through me more if I would just come to the place where I'm not afraid. And there's still a lot of stuff I find out I'm afraid of because he tells me and and he says, see that that's fear. No, that's that's wisdom, son. That's fear. (laughs) So we planted these these churches in order to to meet people's needs. And I'm not trying to get you out of your churches. I don't want you to leave your churches. I'm just saying that I'm explaining to you what we're doing so that you just know what what we're what this is all about. And so we've, we've planted these bridge churches. So we have streams as an equipping model, and we have bridge churches as an evangelistic, as well as a service, as well as an equipping model, uh, as well. And so we have uh, two in California right now: one Oasis Bridge in the San Diego area, and then we have the bridge here that meets here, that meets here in uh, uh, on Sunday mornings at 10, 10:30. So I want to introduce to you the pastor of the Breakpoint Bridge, Gary Zetherus. Thank you.
1: Let's, let's see if we got it working. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, we are one of those different bridge churches. Uh, uh, and I hope you come, do come visit us. But I myself believe the same thing, is that you're called to church. You don't have the choice of where you're going. It's something that God draws you to, speaks to your heart, and you should be at whatever church God calls you to. And don't leave it until he tells you to leave. But you have to be sensitive to hear what God's speaking to you. There's lots of different churches out there, and we are the ones that probably will offend you. We really will. Uh, I, I don't mean to. I don't ever want to mean to. I'm actually, my nature is from a business background. I step on people's toes pretty easily. So I don't mean to, but sometimes I will. And God uses that a lot of times, too. I also believe something else is that if you're comfortable in a church, you're in the wrong place. if you're at a place that you can come to every Sunday, and you're not being challenged, you're not being pulled, you're not being called to do what you've been called to do, then you're in the wrong place. Because I, I believe that uh, this is, as John paul was talking about earlier, we are the best of the best of different generations that we come from. And this is approaching the end times. It's always been approaching the end times for a long time, but I really, haven't you felt that change in the last few years, that there's something new, that there's, it is a new time, a new uh, uh, frontier, a new place? And I really believe it is. I really believe that God's calling us to something different. And that's what I'm going to be talking about uh, uh, this afternoon. Because I believe God's calling an army. We have somehow got the idea that God has an army somewhere and the rest of us go to church. That is not true. If you are not, you're going to find that if you are not in his army, you're not in his kingdom in the days to come. Because the days are coming that are very, very different than what you've seen before. The days are coming where God is calling his people to come to a boot camp in such a way. I come to a boot camp that, a boot camp is a very interesting thing. First of all, it lets you know where you're at. You're, you are know, how out of shape you're at. Uh, I wouldn't make it through the physical boot camp at all. <laughs> uh, but it lets you know how you're out of shape and then it begins to show you and train you that you'd become the fighting man or woman of God that you're called to be. You see, it's not only just for you, it's for your fellow believers. It's very, very important that you become trained and trained properly. And so what I'm going to do and what I'm going to talk about today is really God's charge. And I'm going to take and kind of turn around the scriptures to you a little bit and have a look at it in in a way that you probably haven't heard or thought of before. And so I'm going to start off by by going to Genesis uh, uh, 1, 27 through 28. It says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He has created him. Male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it, over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, and over every liver creature that moves on it. Now, that's a scripture we're all familiar with. You know, it's, it's something that uh, that we've, we've heard of many times. But I want to first take a look at it. It says, well, made in his image. And that's something that's always bothered me for a very long time. You know, how do you mean made in his image? So I actually looked up the, uh, up the word in the dictionary, uh, uh, on my Bible dictionary, and took a look what the actual definition is. And, it, and the definition was this. It said, uh, that word meant illusion, resemblance, hence a representation or a figure, often used for an idol. And I don't want you to take the thought here, because I'm going to play with what you maybe thought in the past, and you just have to sit through to see if you agree with me or not. But I feel God made us almost like a blank canvas like she had over there in the first place. And the idea of that blank canvas is to be able to fill it up at one particular time. Something that John Paul would call character. You see, there's lots of giftings and lots of different things in life, but there's something that character comes, that's grown in you. Now, God has has, uh, uh, a situation that we have to look at here. He sat here, made us as a blank image of who he is, that he began to develop in us who he wants us to be. He blessed them. And said, increase in numbers and fill the earth. Now, we all understand the increase in numbers and fill the earth. And that's about usually what we get out of the scripture. But today is what I'm going to talk about is the next three, three, three things. Be fruitful, subdue, mm-hmm. and to rule. Yes. Now, I've looked at the end of the book. And what we are to become is quite something. If we truly are the end time people, then we're going to be quite something. Currently, I don't think we resemble it too well as a church. Uh, The church, big C church. But I think that's what God calls us to be. But to be that, we have to sit still while he changes us. And I'm going to talk about that process, how he changes us. How are you going to be the bride of Christ? A suitable bride for the king of kings. How are we going to be an army that will break down the walls of hell and win the battle? How are we going to become that? Let me tell you what, if we don't do certain things for that to happen, it will not happen. Very often we go out and we come to this idea that that's a very, very false idea is that somehow we're going to be all of a sudden one day take a phone call go in there and God is going to put a Superman outfit on us and we're going to come out and do that but you know what it's not going to be that way there's going to be times that God puts anointing on us but there's something in the strengthening of us to be able to use the anointing that he wants to develop us in us and for that to happen it takes pressure problems and many different things for that to be fruit in your life this message might not be a real fun one for a lot of people as I say it for myself, I'm more and more aware that the God is really serious about what he wants to do with us. I'm, I'm more and more aware that as we go around and people talk about Christians, they talk about nothing what God wants them to see. I'm very, very aware that we are ambassadors of Christ, and if we don't allow God to change us and make us into what he wants us to be, then the people are going to miss who he is. Now, God is not going to have to miss who he is. So he's going to have to change us. We're that generation. You know, we talk about the fall. And here's kind of a a theology I think we all kind of have. We have this theology that, you know, God put Adam and Eve in the garden. And Adam and Eve were messing around. And all of a sudden, they fell. And God was really surprised that they fell and he was so surprised of it then he thought oh, got to do something quick so he thought of his son and he came up with this plan to fix it now I love what John Paul talked about this morning because it's the very subject that I was on we didn't talk about what we are going to talk about to one another so I didn't know what he was going to say but it's the issue of he all-powerful Ever-present and all-knowing is He. If God is all-knowing and there's nothing that it escapes Him, that He has all knowledge from the very beginning and for the very end, then He knew very well that man was going to fall. He knew very well that uh, uh, Satan was going to fall and the angels were going to fall. This was not a surprise to God at all. He knew, had plans made. For that to happen. Why? The problem is this. How do you inject into the mankind the nature of God? That'll stick. That'll stay. How do we do that? That is his problem. That's his question. It's a story to me of how great God's love is for us. It's a story to me that, that, that a God that will do anything and everything for a bride, for a son. It shows to me a God that is so concerned about bringing about his ends and using us to do it, he does the most unbelievable, unusual, unfathomable things. Yes, he knew Adam and Eve were going to fall. It was not a surprise to him in one bit. Didn't take him by surprise at all. He had planned from the very beginning that was going to happen. He planned every single thing. He knew every single thing that was going to go on. Because he knew what he made. What he made was a human nature that is a good nature because he made it and said it's very good. And he put in there something called free will. Free will is a very, very unusual thing, if you think about it. Without free will, he wouldn't have the problem of making us that way. But without free will, what would he have? If I have a mate that is not free to love me, and just has to love me because she has to love me, sometimes I like that idea, but <laughs> uh, then I, I don't really have a, a viable relational relationship. And God wanted that. So he put the free will. He put the free will in there. He put the free will in there that that we could learn to exercise. Now, to me... Free will, exercise in love, equals character. That, uh, to me, is kind of the formula of that. Free will, exercise out of love, brings about character. So here is God. He wants to bring character into you and me. He wants that. he has a divine being. Because God is not someone that does things, well, let's do this, a little that. He has a master plan. If you look at everything about the, the universe and, and the earth and everything else, it all is well planned out. There's nothing that's not planned out. Everything is to scale. Everything is for a reason. There's a purpose for every single thing he's done. There's a purpose for everything under heaven and earth, right? That's what it says. There's a purpose for it. There's a purpose that he wants to operate in it. Now, if his end is that we would be like him and have his character, and to have a bride like him, and, and to have an army like them, then you can consider that every single thing that has happened in between is for the development of that purpose. Couldn't have been done a different way. No other way. God is the most efficient of efficient. There's nothing that misses him. So, God is preparing for an end battle. He's preparing for a bride. He's preparing for it, and he, and he realizes that we have to be trained to become like that. That it's just not going to happen naturally. It's not going to be something that'll just, that you'll get by accident. So he sets things in our lives to make that happen. Injecting God's character in mankind permanently is the call. Now, the first thing God had to do with man to let us know is to let us know we have a need. You know, if you don't need, know you have a need for a new car, you're not going to buy one. If you don't know you have need for breath stuff, you're not going to buy that either. You have to know you have a need before you fix it and go after it. So he had to let us know. And what he did is gave us a law. Okay, The law was set up for one purpose, the scripture says, is to let us know we couldn't make it. The law said, when the law was given, sin increased even more. The purpose of the law was to let you know that you don't, under any circumstances, have what it takes to become what God wants you to be. Without him, you are helpless. That was the purpose of the law. So he sent the law that we'd be able to see that we were, we were inadequate without him, and that we really needed him. And then he sent his son. That's why he did it down there. It wasn't an accident in the fall. He sent his son there as as a uh, uh, to pay the price, yes. But it live as an example. I'm gonna talk about that example in a couple of minutes here, what that really means. So let me see, I want you guys to turn here to Hebrews 1032, I think it is. Uh, Oh, excuse me. I want to come back something else to to, to give a fuller re- uh, understanding. Ephesians one three through five of what I'm talking about, how he from the very beginning looked at that. Ephesians one three through five. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In the love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So it talks about here that uh, before the creation of the world, he predestined us to be made whole through his son. It's saying the same thing I've been trying to tell you right here. This scripture I looked over a long time, you know, the first part of it I go, oh yeah, and the second part I didn't really listen to. But it's the predestined. We are predestined, each and every one of you, each one of you called to know, and become like him he's called to become like him from the beginning and the process that that is is to be able to bring you into uh, the fullness of what he wants for you um, we know that all things work for the good Romans 8 tw- uh, 28. all things God works for the good for those who love him are called according to his purpose for those God foreknew who he also predestined, he also to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that we might be the first among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So a promise that we will have a, a, a glory over it. But right now, we're about one thing. We're about bringing glory to the king. We're about winning a battle and we're right now about becoming everything God called us to be all things work for the good why I picked that scripture is I don't know if your life's different in this but I spent a lot of my life as a Christian having things go wrong having unfair things happen things that would happen would make me very angry and I would not deal with those things, because they made me angry, and I didn't want to deal with them. What I want you to guys look at, each and every one of you, is those things that are in your life that are continually come in front of you. The things that you may blame the devil on, but those things that completely come in front of you. You know, the devil's around for a reason. You know, most of us have this idea that we're we're just kind of living here and and we're we're surviving and the enemy's oppressing us and we're going to make it through and somehow we're going to kind of make it to the end. No, that's not how it is. We're designed to be overcomers. The enemy's there for a purpose. God knew the enemy was going to fall. If he didn't actually accomplish the purposes of God, he would remove them. He would take them completely out. There'd be no reason. But he accomplishes the purpose is of God. Does he ever go too far? Yeah. Where that is, where that line is, I don't know. But I know he goes too far. But he's there for a purpose. What is the purpose? What's going on in your life today that you're continually getting mad at, and it's continually happening to you over and over again? I'll watch you, over the next days, begin to think about that. Because God's going to start bringing those things up and start making sense of what those things are, and why they're happening to you. God has an end product of mine, a spotless bride, a mighty army, army, with the character of Christ. Now the church likes that part of it, but they don't like the part that I'm going to talk about right now, how we get that. Hebrews seven eleven. Let's take a look there real quickly. That's oh, not the one I want. It's not the one I want. Excuse me. Hebrews two ten. Let's see. In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of his salvation perfect through suffering. Both the one who makes men holy and those who are being made holy are of the same family. Ever wonder what that was about? It's about a suffering. That particular scripture is referring to the cross. We're going to go there and spend a little bit of time on there. But it's talk about suffering, pain, sorrow, problems, different things you go through. This is something that currently the church today has rejected. It's, it's some of the stuff that John Paul was talking about, where, uh, seeker friendly, don't want to offend or anything else. A comfortable thing that you can literally have God and have your own life too. I call it a vaccination to the gospel. It really is. You see, you know what vaccination is, right? You take a weakened version of a germ, inject it in the body, and it kind of gets you a little bit sick, and then you get immune <laughs> to it, and you don't catch it. Well, that's what's been taught today in a lot of places. Uh, uh, some, some, I believe by a lot of well-meaning people with, that are trying to track as many people in so they can affect them. Good-hearted the desire to to bless people and to expand the kingdom. But unfortunately, the, the cross says something else. It talks about laying down your life for Christ and living. That's not a little bit of the gospel. It's the full thing of the gospel. See, what God is calling you and I to do is live a life fully after him. Here at Breakpoint, that's what I talk about a lot. You know, some people come in and they go. You know, because they don't want to hear that. Some people uh, will hang around for a while and move on. Some some of that's just God's timing for them. But a lot of times it's just the thing is that people reject the idea that they have to give up their own life, that they can somehow have the right to control it. Part of that two trees thing that uh, John Paul Jackson was talking about, a tree of knowledge of good and evil, is the right to make your own decisions on whether they're good or bad. We don't have that right. I really believe wholeheartedly that we don't. When uh, we touch that tree, it says, the day you touch that tree, you shall surely die. The day you touch on the thing that says you have the right to make up your mind of what's good and what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, and how much God is and how much other stuff you're going to have in your life, you missed. You missed at that very point. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to live for life after God completely. That's what I hope to attract people here. I had John Powell out for one of the main reasons is to be able to see if we could attract people that won't have a heart for the same thing. And that's what I'm looking for. For people that have a heart that says, I want everything of God, I want to become who God calls me to be, and that I could live the thing out the way God has designed for me to live it out. So, here we have, we have this concept that is very, very foreign to the church, current church today, It's because the suffering idea is not a good idea. But to go into suffering, I have to give you a little background. There's an Old Testament version of suffering and trials and testing and a New Testament version. The Old Testament version deals with punishment. Trials and testings and stuff like that is the idea of coming under punishment for the things you did wrong. And you see it reflected all through the Old Testament when, oh, you know, when something happened with someone, they said, oh, you know, that was the consequence of this or fell on your fathers and your fathers' fathers. It's always dealing with judgment. New Testament is different. Why is it different? Price is paid, right? Jesus paid the price on the cross. When the New Testament talks about testing, the testing it's talking about is training. Different. Testing and trials and stuff that you find in the New Testament are the idea of being trained. So I'm going to go through the, the 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 suffering and the testing and stuff like that. And what I'm talking about, I'm talking about New Testament. I'm talking about the process to train and develop you to become the men and women of God God called you to be. I'm not talking about because you did something wrong one day, you're not having children anymore. You did wrong one day, uh, things aren't going to work out. You did something wrong in the past, and that's why everything's going wrong in your life today. Oh, I'm not saying that that you, you know, you won't sow and reap some things if you do wrong things. But it's not punishment; it's a process for training you. So, I'm going to get a. I'm going to start by. Um, talking to give a little peek of Job. Job 1, 8 through 11. This is a kind of unique picture in the Old Testament. And the reason I'm showing it to you, it's one of the few pictures that is very, very easy to see, a picture of how God kind of works, and how the enemy kind of works, and what's the purposes. Now, there is something, let's go here, let me read here, Job 1, 8 through 11. I think, a okay. the Lord said to Satan have you considered my servant Job there is no one on earth like him he is blameless and upright a man who fears God and shuns evil does Job fear God for nothing Satan replied Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that the flocks and herds are spared, uh, spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Well, if you read later on, then the Lord says, go ahead and do what you need to do to him. But don't take his life. Why did he do that? Did I ever bother you guys, that scripture? I remember especially reading it when I was younger. That really bothered me. I mean, here's the guy, the best guy in the whole land. The number one, the most upright man on the face of the earth, period. And God lets them loose. And I thought, what hell do I have? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what help do I have? Because I had that judgment thing in mind. And in this saying, it was showing the thing. There were some things in Job's life that God ended up bringing out and dealing with. But this is a kind of picture that I want you to have of what happens in your life today. Why you have things go wrong and different things that happen like that uh that that really, really bother you. It's a picture of a process that God wants to bring this through. No, we don't make a certain level in your home free. Much is given, much is expected. The more you grow, the more is expected. More is grow, more is expected. Because see, God's in a process of building an army. Not just making you okay. It's not about you. It's about his kingdom. John, Paul was talking, uh, last night he was saying some neat things. He's talking about the different streams and tributaries and rivers and wanting to get bigger. And what they really should be concerned with is filling the lake, the kingdom and that's what we have to be concerned with with filling the lake because we are all tributaries to God's use in the kingdom and it doesn't matter what we do or anything else it's all about allowing God to change us use us to be able to increase what he's doing in the kingdom so you have a picture here of how it works uh, James 1.2 testing consider pure joy I know you all do my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. All joy, uh, I'll say not lacking anything. All joy, uh, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God, and he'll give it generously without finding fault. All joy and all adversity that he can fashion trustworthiness that you will cheerfully endure and he can develop mental and moral character in you that you may lack nothing lack nothing lack nothing what does he mean lack nothing that you will be fully ready for what he wants to do with you He says in the scriptures too, you know, before you take on doing something, you've got to examine yourself and make sure you have the assets to carry it through. You've been given the assets to carry it through. You've been given the assets to be able to go through things and become who God called you to be. But it is going to take everything of you to be able to make it. You know, the pressure that you feel, uh, you know, uh, continually increasing, never seems to lift. And the farther I go in in God, the more pressure I find, the more uh, uh, that comes in there, and I, you know you wonder why. When is there ever a break? But it's it's for God's mercy that there isn't a break. There really is. It's God's mercy there isn't a break. You know I watched. Uh, did you anybody watch Troy? Oops, the movie Troy, the recent one. Oh, you guys didn't. Oh, it's a great movie. Brad Pitt. You know. And I remember this one scene when he's he's, he's going in to take Troy. All the rest of the boats, he's raced his boat ahead of all the other boats. Now, he wants glory. That's all he wants. All the other boats, he's broken everything he can to get the land first to go on there. And you watch this guy just go through anything and everybody in his way. Continually pushes. Continually pressures. Continually uh, cuts through. You know, soldier after soldier after soldier, killing one after one after one after one after one. Many, 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 many people he takes down. You know, you can have the best sword in the world if you don't have the arm to swing it. It doesn't do you any good. That arm is like an exercise that comes from practicing the things that God puts before you. You will not be able to swing it. You could have Excalibur and die. You have to have an arm for it. That arm comes from being tested and tra- you know pushed. You know it's like it uh, the pressure I've I've come to understand is something like like you have when you lift weights, which I don't do very often. But I understand it. And it's continually
0: <laughs> Paul said it
1: has some value, you know, I mean what can I say? <laughs> I like what Paul said. But you know when you press on, on a weight, continue lifting a weight, and you keep on pushing it and keep and you keep on doing it over and over and over again you 're able to do more and more reps with larger and larger weights at a, for a longer length of time. Do you see that the pressure that comes against you is for that very purpose? When do you think you get a chance? You know, is it one at the time that you have to deal with cancer? Is that the time you want to learn how to swing a sword? Or someone in your family has? Is that one you want to know how to uh, how to take out the enemy? I had a uh, kind of a dream last night where I saw, uh, uh, it was very, very clear too. It was um, uh, kind of spirit of death wanted to get me. Uh, I've been really sick this week. And I saw that thing. And he always you know, kept from background. I could see him. It was a very strange thing. I want to take him out. I want to learn how to take him out. I will take him out, you know, because of that's God's will for me—that I could do battle not only for myself but for others. You have—we have to be able to do that, but we have to be able to settle down for the process to do it. We can't sit there and everything that goes wrong. And say, "Oh, well, I can't. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's, it's miserable." Abishai killed three hundred men in a day. Can you imagine doing that? 300, it's not just a Troy thing, I used it for, I thought you guys watched watch the movie, what's the matter with you, <laughs> it's a great movie, I've seen it three times, uh, <laughs> but maybe you read your Bible, uh, Killing 300 Men, how much strength, how much time, how much training, how much practice, do you think that happened? Everything that happens in your life is for a purpose of that. Everything that happens you see, if does God really have all things under control? Does he really does he really work all things for the good? Do you believe that? Yeah. I doubt you do. I don't have the time either. But maybe you do. Maybe you're a lot better than me. That's something I have to fight with. But the truth of it is, here I know it is. My heart in my heart I believe that I would consider pure joy every time I come into trials. Because why would I consider pure joy? because it's training me and when I come up to a real battle I'll have the strength to take it and when it comes to the end time when God calls me to do whatever he calls me to do I'll be able to do it because I've been strengthened made ready for it a fit soldier for the honor of my king that's what's got to be in our hearts you know, you can't make that in your heart you have to ask call out for it and you have to be willing to say yes when the trials come your way You have to be willing to just go through the things that are uncomfortable, painful, miserable, the things you don't want to do, to bring it about.
0: Now I'm going to talk about
1: uh, a little bit here. It's usually, by the way, the things you fear the most. The things you fear? Things you really don't like to have, really don't like to deal with? It's what God's dealing with. The more you don't like it, the more it's it. Tell me it's not so. But <laughs> it is. Okay, let's going go over here to uh, Luke 22, 39 through 46. I'm just going to read that part. And going to... Now this is at the Garden of Gethsemane. Very important time. Now I'm going to set you up with this a little bit, with, a, with, a, with an idea. The idea looks like this. Your calling's on the other side of that problem is in front of you. The greater injustice, the greater the power to it. Okay? If you follow me, if you remember in the garden, let me read this particular scripture. I think I need to read it first. Jesus went out, as usual, to the mountain of olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you might not fall into temptation. If he, withdrew, he withdrew about a stone's throw away beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. As an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Okay. I don't think, there's, there's no question, the greatest injustice of all time was, was in the garden and the cross, right? There's no greater injustice there is, there's ever been. Therefore, no greater power has there ever been. You can take that and write that down. The greater injustice done to, against you, the greater the power to change you. You know, you know those things of the character stuff that we, you know, have got to be humble and all this stuff. We think it's a, like a nice idea to be so we can be like God, you know, and we really don't want to buy it because we don't care that much about being that much like Jesus most of the time. <laughs> it's the truth. The real truth of it is, is those things are the very weapons of God. Those things that you think are all humility, uh, injustice, all all the stuff that's standing up over that, not fighting back. These are the absolute power of the kingdom. It's, uh, uh what is it? Um, 2 Corinthians 4 through 6 says our weapons are not temporal. They're powerful to they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Reasonings, concepts, elevated places, authorities, attitudes, high places, anything that comes, acts against the knowledge of God, and to take everything captive. Those divine weapons are the ones of God, and those divine weapons of God are the things that you don't even consider a weapon. Injustice is the greatest weapon of all time. It is the greatest, most powerful weapon that you can ever have come about. Now I want to tell you about, about this particular one. Jesus, his calling and our redemption was the cross. Perfect God-man, without sin, no blemish in him, done nothing wrong, totally didn't deserve it, was rejected by everybody in the world. His best friends, his disciples, his family, the, the crowd, the Roman rulers, the, 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 uh, the church leaders, the, everybody. Great, tremendous injustice. You know, the Lord, Jesus said, you know, Father, if you can take this away from me, take it away. If you can remove this, do. Just like you and I pray. And it's not a bad thing to pray. He prayed it. Okay, that trial in front of me. If you can take this away from me, go ahead and take it away from me. But if not, let your will be done. In this way, uh, he went through this because the next verse says he was sweating blood, and he went through it as you know. So the answer was, can I? No, you're going through it. Yes, and that's the same. It's going to be for you. Now this is the example we have. Remember, he learned. The scripture says he learned obedience through suffering on the cross. He learned obedience. That's what God develops our character, that obedience that will do that. So he has had the same before him, and and, and and that test, that trial, to come out. But see, on the other side of that was the sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. On the other side of it was what he was called to do. On the other side of it was bringing all mankind into salvation. On the other side of that test. It wasn't around it. If you went around it, that's how you get that old idea of going around the mountain. If you went around it, it wouldn't happen. It's going over that unbelievable mountain. to something, the hardest thing, caused him to come in his destiny. And of course, it was so powerful, it brought us into it. Now, this is not the teaching I'm mainly going to go on, but I'm just going to mention this so you'll, you'll understand this particular portion of it. But... The reason that worked, and the reason it was a sucker punch to the enemy is very, very simple. The reason it was a sucker punch is that, that the kingdom, uh the God's throne, is established on two pillars. One is justice and the other is righteousness. You can those are unmovable. Remember God's power is, is 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 complete. It's it's unmovable. The enemy did not see it coming. He did not see that he was coming against the very foundation of everything. Justice and righteousness. He came against those and therefore he lost. That's why he lost. Because God will uphold his foundation. He will not allow it to be moved. Now you take that same thought and you apply it in your own life. When things go wrong, when things are unfair against you, God will not fail to act on your behalf you may go through the thing you may hang on a cross but what he wants to bring about will be brought about now that's a powerful thing I could take you through countless scriptures and show you how God works in the things that you don't think he's working through because he says his kingdom is not like ours. And it really is not. He does not work the way you and I work. He does not have the world's mentality. He has a God's kingdom mentality. God's kingdom mentality is totally opposite. This kingdom mentality cannot be shaken. It says. It's, uh, it says your throne will last forever. Second Samuel seven, Psalms forty five, Hebrews one through eight, righteousness and justice is the foundation of your throne. Psalm eighty nine, Psalm ninety seven. These are truths, unbreakable, unstoppable truths. This is the way that God chose to bring salvation to you through injustice. This is the this is the way He chose that is how he chooses to bring salvation which is a continual process to you now through injustice he says if he did it for his son he'll do it to you but Paul says don't worry yet you haven't had to hang on a tree (laughs) thank goodness and how we make it I mean you know that kind of stuff is just mercy that you make it through it I mean I imagine well I don't know uh, God sent an angel to strengthen Jesus so he can make it through that time he will send an angel to make you through your time whether you see him or not he will send someone to strengthen you to help you but you have to go through these things now I'm going to teach you a little uh, a side note on it and this is, a, this is a a merciful trick that God uses Okay, so let, let's let's go to First uh, Peter two nineteen through twenty one Two eighteen. Out uh, to two nineteen. For it is commendable that a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. To this you were called. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Remember? Justice and righteousness. He himself wore our sins in our body on the tree, so we might die to our sins and live righteously. Now, I want to I, I take this idea. It says, if you take unjust punishment and and, and endure it conscious of God conscious of God that God's working things through your life that this is his will that he has things under control then there's a great blessing for you he goes on and says well what good is it if you you deserve a beating you get a beating you just get what you deserve now I'm going to tell you how God works in this to bless you because he's a generous God extremely generous he'll take an area of your life That stinks. It'll be the maybe one time you didn't do anything wrong in it. (laughs) Now, this is pretty sweet of him. Because what he does, let's say, I'm a liar. Okay, and I'm always lying. Just lie, 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 lie. Okay. But this time I'm not lying, I'm accused of lying. And I get a whipping for it. Now, it's an interesting thing. I was unjustly accused, but yet I had the problem. And so what happens is that he can bring a blessing on me for enduring threat. Because if, if he picked the time that I was lying, then I'd just get the whipping what I deserved, and there wouldn't be any good to it. But no, because I endured it and I didn't do it wrong, then God him, bring a blessing. How many times did that happen to you? Well, I really didn't do anything wrong. You know darn well you've done it many times wrong. Something else, you know. It doesn't have to be the same sin. But, you know, the many, many times you've done something wrong. But that time I went, and that just gets us all. Oh, injustice, injustice, injustice. Let that ring a bell loud to you. That injustice is your friend. I hate it. Everyone does. Our, our, our heart kind of, oh, I hate this. But it's our friend because it brings about in us a blessing that God wants to bring. It's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool to change us. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what it says. Overcome evil with good. There are a lot of weapons out there that God uses. Injustice is the atomic bomb of weapons That God uses It's the most powerful of all. If you learn To allow God to deal with you What you may seem is not fair Now of course we all know We have no more rights right When we, we died with him And it was no longer us to live Rather Christ lives within us And, and uh, uh, you know that routine that, That's the truth you know, and we don't have a right to be mad and all that stuff. We still get mad just the same. But if we allow God to use those things, use those things that go wrong in your life. You know, the, the things that infuriate you. Start tagging what God's been bugging you with. You make, you know, and it's the enemy. It does it. I mean, God doesn't do that stuff to you. He allows the enemy. The enemy's doing it to destroy you. But God's allowing it for the good. If he didn't want him there, he'd remove them. You start seeing what are those reoccurring things in your life that causes you the most problems in your life. And what you're going to find out is what God's working on your life. And you're going to find out that if you can allow God to let you co- and conquer those particular things, then you're going to move to a new level of relationship with God you're going to live to a new level that God is, will promote you to something else. Do you not know, you know, one of my longest prayers has always been, you know, give me the character before you give me the gifting. Because anything else, it just pours the ground. You know, and there's an old saying that I know you've all heard, it takes a fresh kill. You know, the idea that a new wine, a new wineskin, a new wineskin takes a fresh kill. So when God brings those death things in your life, it's so he can pour his spirit in you. If you do not allow those things to happen, if you continually, no, 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 whine about it, they won't happen. You can say no, because why? Free will. You have the right to say no. But a day is coming that if you are in his army, I don't think you'll be in his kingdom. I might be wrong on that. I'm not taking the chance. Are you? Are you willing to take a chance with your life for eternity? But more than that, don't you want to change the world? I mean, doesn't that burn in you? Doesn't that burn in you to bring the kingdom into power? Be part of that, God's hand, and what He's doing in Santa Monica or LA or wherever you live. Isn't that, isn't that something that burns in you? Burns in me. That's what I want to do. I want to train a, 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 a men and women that will take the land. This last year, I think we did somewhere around 40 outreaches. We did a lot of outreaches. You know, we had a lot of fun. We worked really, really hard. And we're actually looking for people that can help us with these outreaches. Well, I will mean, not count some of those. Some of them were real small little things. Some of them were parties. Some of them were, we participated with other people. And some of them were really major outreaches. One of them we got to, uh, minister to 650 people, businessmen. It was fun. You know. But whatever it is, we need an army. We need a people that are willing, that will not be insulted when things go wrong. When somebody steps on their toes, they're going to understand that. And why I'm on this subject, might as well talk about husbands and wife for a second, because this is another one of God's favorite tools. You know, the church has about a 51% divorce rate right now, somewhere right around that thing. But if you're married, understand this, that God uses your mate to refine you. And they don't have to be right to do it. Injustice? <laughs> it's the truth. You know, we have a way of getting out of anything and everything. I think John Paul calls that lawlessness. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> <Huh>? I know. <laughs> it's lawlessness. These things that happen in your life are for reasons. Your mate that is doing the wrong thing and uh, doesn't work things out is for a reason. You know, uh, I, I, they don't have to be right. But I'll tell you what you do. You do. You have to be right. I mean, you know, especially if we were, t- I'm talking to the guys right now, you know, and I don't live up to this. I'm working on it. But my job is to be right, whether my wife's right or not. She's usually more right than I am. But I'm, I'm trying to example, because look, look what Jesus did. But so the women, the same way, have to deal in the same way, you know, just as Jesus forgave them, overlooked that, blessed them, helped them, everything in the bring up, bring his bride up, we have to be that way too. That injustice thing that we find in the relationships that we have is powerful. You know, it's a powerful thing. It's, it's meant to change your life. It's meant to make you like him. And if you think about that, Jesus, through all the injustice he had, came in his maturity and into his calling. That's how it's going to happen with you too. You will not get a shortcut. You will not escape. There's not an easy road out for you. There's not the wimp way. Unfortunately, the church today has a reputation of being very wimpy. We've got, it's going to change. I want when the people see a church, they see men and women that have such great tenacity and love for God, that are willing to do anything When they see the church and when they see us, they see people that that, that spark them. This is what I want to be like. Because that is character. That is that first scripture I, I started off with. God making in His image. An empty image that He wants to impregnate. Just like through Mary impregnated and brought about Jesus. He wants to impregnate his spirit into you that it cannot ever depart. Never depart. That's his purpose, is to impregnate you, that you would not have anything that would ever lose the the resilience, the essence of God. That's what he wants to do. So, I think I've said enough. (laughs)
0: there's a lot on this
1: there there, there really is I have lots of scriptures on this there's a lot of different things on it but you know my heart is for each and every one of us every one of us I'm saying me too that I we become who we're called to be and who we're called to be is great mighty men and women that serve a great God I really don't think they're great men of God there's only men that serve a great great God and that's what I want to see each and every one of us become. I want to see people that, you know, that point towards Jesus and not us. That when, that when they talk about, they're just so consumed with who God is and the beauty of His and what He's doing that they don't want to take care of all any of that stuff for Himself. So, I'm going to pray. And, uh, let's see, we have enough, what time is it here? Right. No, so, we'll do some more worship. Okay, Lord, I just ask right now that, that the words that, that uh, I spoke today, the ones of you that you would sow in their hearts, you'd sow it in their hearts so deeply that it cannot be removed, that the enemy cannot come and steal it away, that the fear that they have of what the enemy can do to them will be stopped. I thank you, Lord, that you, you, you brought us to see streams and become a bridge. And I'd always seen and always wondered about new age and this, that, and that. I was always afraid. I was trained to be afraid. And Lord, I just thank you that you taught me not to be afraid anymore. To have the boldness that comes from you. So, Lord, I ask that you impregnate each and every person with such a boldness for you. Not an obnoxiousness, but a boldness for you. A trust in you. And that anything that you're planning in cannot be stolen. Lord, just I ask that, that, that you would guard the airways. That, that people would choose to hide away in their heart the truth. Would choose to protect it and keep it safe. Would choose to say no to their own desires and will. Lord, let us all see that if we try to gain our own life, we'll lose it. That, that if we lose our life, your sake, We shall gain it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, we're gonna take the break a little bit early. Uh, let's see, we got about four. So what time we get it back at? Five, six thirty. Well, so why don't we make it six o'clock? Give it some time. All right, six o'clock. So. John Paul will be speaking at 6 o'clock, so come back at 6. And then we're also, again, having uh, service tomorrow at 10.30. And John Paul will be speaking there, too. Hmm. Bless you.